0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. You're okay, she says out loud, as if saying is the same as being. She says it because she knows, for now, she is. Lynn Steger-Strong, Flight. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week we're hosting another new release rundown with retail floor manager Olivia Schaefer and online sales manager Erin Fielding. If you're a regular listener, you probably know that one of our main goals this year has been to grow the show to 10,000 listeners. We are getting so close, and we're at about 9,000 listeners per episode, which is more than I could ever have fathomed or imagined. A lot of that is thanks to everyone who has left a review. We are already at over 800 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and here is one of my recent favorites from Manta707. Whether recommending an upcoming new release book or sharing an old favorite, listening to Annie B. Jones and her rotating cast of cozy and brilliant friends is the perfect way to build your TBR list. It's always a joy to hear what's new and beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and to catch up with staffers, friends, and family. Shout out to the kids table. Please keep putting your heart out there for us. We all need to live in your magical bookish world for an hour a week. That was so nice. If you have not left a review, all you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and then tell us what you think. Don't forget too, as we chat about these titles today, if you purchase or pre-order any of the books we talk about, you can enter new release, please at checkout for 10% off your order. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com and scroll down our homepage to see this week's titles or click podcast picks and then new release rundown. Hi, Olivia. Hey. Hi, Erin. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. I love these. Thanks for letting me come on. Yes. Well, we are thrilled to have you. It's always nice to have another uh, another reader and somebody who listens. Although sometimes I'm like, oh, Aaron is like Olivia and Annie's tastes combined. Like that's a little bit what it's it feels true. like. Your literary taste had a baby and it was <laughs> <laughs> your art
1: then <been> diagram. Oh, <laughs> nice.
0: Come to life. Uh, yeah. And plus you bring your own, then you also have genres you read that I feel like I don't read at all um, and that Olivia doesn't read so it's it's very nice to have a another reader to add to the mix so November is still a big release month I I wasn't sure it would be because as we dwindle to the end of the year it just feels like it's a lot of cookbooks and maybe that's about it. Like, you know, that's what it feels like. We won't do one of these in November. This is our last one of these of the year. Can you believe it? It's pretty wild. Pretty, It's wild. I cannot believe we're doing it. But anyway, so we, we close out the year with November new releases and there are actually quite a few big titles that are coming out this month. So we've limited ourselves to about six a piece. Um, and we're just going to do this round Robin. Like we normally do. I'll kick us off. The first book I want to talk about released this past Tuesday on November 1st. It is Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, a memoir by Matthew Perry. Yes, that Matthew Perry. I wouldn't normally include a celebrity memoir, but I'm very curious about this one for a couple of reasons. Pretty notoriously, this book has not been ghostwritten. So he actually wrote this himself, which I think is fascinating. I read... I think in the New York Times the agent his agent um or the the publisher rep who kind of helped him navigate the publishing process was like he's the only celebrity who's ever turned in their work their book on time like <laughs> which I also find just really love uh, like a lovely detail um and this book as much as I think people want it to be like a celebrity tell all I think it's going to be a lot about friends of course and kind of what made him Chandler Bing, but I think it's a lot about addiction and recovery. And the forward, my understanding is the forward is written by Lisa Kudrow. And she says in the forward, like the number one question the Friends cast members get asked is, How's Chandler? <laughs> like, how's Matthew Perry? Because I think it was pretty obvious just watching that show the kind of trajectory he took and you could kind of see the physical ramifications of his of his addiction and his struggle with addiction and so i think the world cares about this guy i think i think we care about what happens to him and i think some of what he details is pretty harrowing i remember i loved the friends reunion i may be alone in that in that category, but I really loved it. It did exactly what I needed it to do, but he was really quiet on that, in that reunion special. And then I realized like he had lost his front teeth from struggles with addiction. And so he had had to go to the dentist and like get his all, all his front teeth like reimplanted or replaced. And he, it's just harrowing some of the stuff that he has endured and it's heartbreaking how much of his life he has spent kind of navigating the system and how, And he talks about, I think, all the resources he had at his fingertips that a lot of people obviously don't have. So anyway, I'm very curious about this one. I don't think it's going to be maybe a typical memoir, and I'm not sure how feel-good it's going to be. I think it'll be feel-good in the fact that Matthew Perry is still here um, and still with us, and I think that's pretty miraculous, but... I think it's also going to be a pretty unflinching look at addiction and the recovery process. So I'm very curious about it. Obviously we did not get ARCs of this, but I will be reading this. I think Um, I've loved every book about friends that I have read. um, And I really, I really feel like I'm rooting for him to be somebody who can be healthy and whole. And so anyway, that is friends lovers and the big terrible thing by Matthew Perry out this week.
1: That sounds really good. Also, sometimes when I say stuff at home, I say it in a way that I guess sounds like Chandler and Walt will just be like, all right, Bing. <laughs> so <laughs> do have a little soft spot in my heart for him. Yeah. I think we all do. Yeah, we do. Okay, my first one out November first is I think you guys both are gonna be excited about this one. Um, I just looked this at the is, title. <laughs> <laughs> it's a graphic novel adaptation of Sweet Valley Twins Best Friends. Um, I read it all yesterday in one sitting. It was amazing. Um, like if you, if you read the series by Francine Pascal or any part of that series, cause it is mm-hmm. pretty long, um, <laughs> you'll, you'll just love the adaptation of Jessica and Elizabeth going to school and getting in sibling, sibling, sibling rivalry. <laughs> I can say it. <laughs> It's delightful. Also, if you enjoyed like rereading the Babysitter's Club with us, was that two years ago?
0: Uh, was yes, that it was. two years ago?
1: <laughs> it <laughs> was. It definitely was. Okay. If you enjoyed that two years ago, um, <laughs> here's this. This year, it's great.
0: This is so fun. I had no idea this was coming out. I was a big Sweet Valley uh, because my I'm the oldest child, but I do have some older cousins and I had an older cousin where like I inherited her books. And so I devoured these as a preteen. I don't, I think probably preteen. God, I wanted to be a twin so bad. (laughs) I I, I really did. And I'm really glad now that I'm not, but I really wanted to be there for a long time between the Olsons and the Sweet Valley twins. I was like, what happened? Why didn't
1: I have a twin? Twins are fascinating. Um, They are. This one was really fun. Highly recommend. I
2: have to admit, I have never read that
0: series. Does that make me a bad like '90s oh. child or no? Erin, I think you would have had so much fun with these these blonde girls and their blonde people problems. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't know about those kind no of problems. <laughs> I would actually think that would be a turnoff to you for this series. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you. So
0: that's why it was fun because I'm like, these girls are nothing like me. Right. That's true. <laughs> But it was kind of the typical, don't you think this was how twins were presented to us as children? I don't, if you're a twin, reach out. But like, I don't think this is really how twindom works. But we were told that like one twin was like girly and kind of prissy and popular. And one twin was kind of the tomboy. And that's how the Olsen twins played it. That's how the Sweet Valley High twins played it. I just think that that's what I was taught that twins were. Um, Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. um or Haley mills you choose but like <laughs> my point is we were taught that twins oh. were like two things and they weren't are you okay, are you okay <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, i'm following <laughs> I, don't. I mean don't dis- mills Haley mills and Lindsay lohan are not actually twins minute, they played twins on tv <laughs> yeah anyway i feel like i could do a whole podcast on twins well there you go 2023 (laughs) did read
1: this like sci-fi book that was like this one twin goes to like a whole nother solar system and the other twin stays here and they're able to like telepathy like talk to each other it was so good it was from like the 80s I loved it Walt bought it so he could read it and then I read it in one sitting and he never read it
0: (laughs) that's so fun it was so good I wish I remember the title that's what's weird about twins. I yeah. I try to get Ashley all the time for us to practice our ESP because I think we have it. Yeah. But it's not the same as twins.
1: Ashley, sit down. Let's practice our ESP.
0: <laughs> what am I thinking of? What am I thinking of? What do you think we really do at the literal kids table? It's me looking at her like, do you Just know what I'm saying? Deep eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She loves it. I promise. Uh. All right, should we move on? Yes. <laughs> sadly, sadly yes.
2: <laughs> My first title is called My First Popsicle: An Anthology of Food and Feelings. It's edited by Zoja Mamet. It's coming out November the 1st. This book is really a complete like talking about Venn diagrams, like it really is like it's like humorous essays food and celebrities <laughs> like if you mm. put all of them together um so some of the stories are like they're all pretty short they're very short so this is like the perfect like pick it up read an essay put it back down some of them are funny um some of them are cringeworthy some of them are you know sad like they even have a disclaimer in the beginning they said that some of these will be about disordered eating you know and about mm. people's relationship with food that is not a great thing um, but most of them are have some sort of, you know, heartwarming story behind them. A lot of them actually have recipes like you'll read a you know, you'll read the story about someone's meat, grandmother's meatballs, and then there's like a recipe for the for the meatball <laughs> in the story. So um, some of the celebrities are like Ted Danson, David Sedaris, Ruth Reichel, Katie Holmes, Kaylee Cuoco, Patti Lapone, and Sloan Crosley all have essays in this collection. Mm. So um, I found it just, you know, just delightful, really. I mean, even in the parts that were hard, it was just the whole premise is we all have a memory around food um, we, that we could sit down. And I thought like, this is perfect. If you're a writer or you want to be writing, I think this is an, even a perfect book to jog your, it's kind of like a writing exercise. Like what are, mm-hmm. what are, is an essay I can write about? I bet we could all sit down and write an essay about food, like a food we love, a food we have a memory about. So it's just one of those, it's just a great small book to pick up, to read about, maybe get inspired to make a new recipe or write your own essay about food. So it's, uh,
0: it's out now on November 1st. Oh, that sounds so good. It, R- Olivia, what was the name of that book that came out a few years ago? My Voracious Life or My Voracious yeah. Read? What was that?
2: I have that. I think it's called, uh, My Voracious life. I think that might be what it is. I have it at home. I have a copy of it because it was so
0: good. Oh, it w- and it was so pretty. I have a copy yeah. too. Um, I have a copy too and I loved it, but this sounds like that. And I remember I took the voracious book home for Christmas. Like that's what I took to read yeah. because you do need something that you can kind of pick up and put down during the holidays because yeah. of the chaos of everything. This sounds delightful. I think it I'm is. It's buy about it. food. So, you yeah. know, you can't go
2: wrong. Really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want that. Okay. My next one is actually one that I'm pretty sure Aaron also read and loved. It's Now is Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Wilson. Uh, It's out next week, November 8th. I feel like I've been waiting a long time for this book to come out. I feel like I read it months ago. Um, And interestingly, the book is set in the summer, so it kind of breaks my seasonal reading rule. Now I've read it during the summer, but it obviously is releasing here in the heart of fall. It is a book about a pair of friends who meet in the nineties and they're artists and they release They like do this kind of, it almost, okay, I'm sorry, this is coming to me as I'm talking. It actually reminds me a little bit of the book of Goose. I think there's some overlap there um, because this book is about a guy and a girl who befriend each other over one summer in 1990s Tennessee, and they create this really odd kind of work of art and they photocopy it a bunch of times and then they like plaster it all over town. And it's got this really odd kind of quote that goes with it. And so the whole town like goes into satanic panic kind of stuff, like (laughs) thinks, oh, my gosh, like there's a cult in town. Like what has happened? You know, and the whole time the guy and the girl who are friends kind of keep it a secret and they don't tell anybody that they're the ones who made this art. But there are positive and negative consequences to this thing that they created and it kind of took on a life of its own and became became a little bit famous and made their town a little bit famous um, and so I'm realizing those are kind of very similar themes to what happens in the book of Goose. Um, I think I just love books about art and creativity and friendship. So anyway, this book is so good. I am always amazed. I, I love a tome just like anybody, but I am always amazed by an artist or an author who can tell a complete whole beautiful story in a few pages. And this is a pretty short book that tells a very complete, interesting, thoughtful story um, that I think people are going to fly through. Like, I think you're going to mm-hmm. sit down with it I'm pretty sure that's what I did as I sat down with it. And then I could not stop. Um, I loved these characters. I wanted desperately to know what happened to them. Wanted to know how the adult versions of themselves kind of dealt with this thing from their past. It's kind of weird thing from their past. And there's an author's note that I, in the ARC, it was at the front of the book. And I hope that's the case for the actual printing. But the author's note Much like the author's note in A Fong Moy, I think the author's note is crucial Mm -hmm. to kind of reading and understanding Kevin Wilson and why he wrote this particular book. It feels like it might maybe be his most personal work. I loved this book so much and I cannot wait for it to be in people's hands. It's so good.
2: Yeah, I would say if people, it kind of reminds me of the relationship, the central relationship in Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. That sort of yes. guy girl creativity, sort of will they won't they, but yeah. like they're just such good friends that you kind of are rooting
0: for them no matter what. Um, it's, yeah. oh, it so good. Oh, it's, and you're right that um, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is a great comp. And there is something I love. I love kind of the will they won't they, but I really love the platonic relationship. Yeah. Like I just love these guy, girl relationships that don't really become romantic. They just mm-hmm. are creative and interesting. And they really love each other in like the truest sense of that word. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I love this book. It's called now it's not the time to panic by Kevin Wilson out next week on November 8th.
1: You had me intrigued when you mentioned, uh, Colt. Yeah. Would I
0: yeah. like this book? Yes, I do think you would like this book. Actually, it's not a. There's no suspense, really. Okay. Um, but I think, but I think because of the house you grew up in and like the work your mom did, I think you would appreciate the artistic elements and the friendship between the two leads. I think you'd like it.
1: Okay. Okay. Um. On a different note, uh, more suspenseful. My next book out November eighth is Secluded Cabin Sleep Six by Lisa Unger. This one is, not only try to say that title six times fast, (laughs) (laughs) but it was really good. And it was a great read while sitting, like staring out into the forest in my backyard, because it it is mostly set in this cabin that's like almost entirely off the grid. Um, And I think, I think it's like, like North Georgia area, Hmm. um, if I'm, if I'm correct. But this Starts out with this Christmas and it ends with the next year's Christmas, which I also really liked. If you're trying to do seasonal reading, this is like, this is pretty good. But it's this family where this brother and sister, Hannah and Mako, are all sitting at the Christmas table. Their parents are driving them insane. You're noticing like the family dynamic with the in laws and everything. And then there's like one last set of gifts underneath the Christmas tree and they're these DNA tests. And no one knows who gifted them these DNA tests, which later Mm. on will come into play. (laughs) And then the brother Mako has organized this trip for him, his sister, their spouses, and their like childhood best friend and her new boyfriend. And he's super excited about this, but everyone's really confused why he's so excited. But it's like just them in this off-the-grid cabin and things start going wrong as things do in thrillers. It was really good. Very suspenseful. Um, If you just want like a fun, easy thriller for like the Christmas season, I think this is perfect for that. It has the right setting. It has that feel of like, like I maybe can guess the end, but I don't want to because this is more fun just to keep reading and like leave it hanging. Yeah. Secluded Cabin Sleep Six. Highly recommended. It was fun. It was a fun read.
0: That sounds fun. I would think I would like to pick that up. Did you get the ARC or did you?
1: I do. I do have the ARC. Yeah.
0: Oh, Uh, will you save it for me?
1: Yeah. What's
2: the, just for my personal, what's the gore level? Is there like, does anyone die? Is there
1: like, is it pretty gory? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Erin, someone dies. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, several people die. (laughs) Um, I'm trying. It's the how. Okay. Um, I mean, they're stabbed. Okay. Okay. That's fun. I can do stabbing. I can do stabbing. I don't think it's like super graphic. I don't think so. Although I say that and I thought Razorblade Tears was like real good. And then Annie came in and was like, this is extremely violent.
0: So it, that book is good, but so violent. <laughs> but oh, for, it reminds me, I think I told Olivia this, my book club read Killers of a Certain Age. Erin, did you read that? No, not yet. <laughs> it's on my list to read. Okay, well, it's very fun. But in that book, like there are a lot of a lot of hits. It's about assassins. Not yeah. hits, like song hits. Like they kill people. <laughs> and, and there are some really intense ones. And it's only when you start talking about them in a book club that you're like, oh. I guess that was a little intense. Like when you're like, oh, they slathered him in nicotine. You're like, oh, I guess that is pretty intense.
1: (laughs) I just, I see. I think that's the thing. I don't really talk about the thrillers I read with other people. And so I'm just like, yeah, I mean, of course there's death and dying and like, yeah. (laughs) uh, Involved with that, there will be the word blood. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it just goes over my head these days. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, going from stabbings to um, another <laughs> historical fiction here. Um, this My next one is The Gilded Mountain by Kate Manning. It came out November 1st. It is a for all of you who are looking for your next historical fiction read. This is probably a great one for you. Um, it's set in the early 1900s in Colorado. There is a young woman named Sylvie Pelletier, who um, her family lives there and they're kind of poor. She leaves home and goes into town and works for a really rich family that owns the mines They are in Colorado. And as she starts to work with them, she realizes that they're what they're saying and what they're doing as mine owners are not the same thing. And so she is kind of stuck between these two worlds of her loyalty to this family and also her desire to see uh, like true justice and true good working conditions for the miners in that town. Of which I think her father is one. Um, So, yeah, it's just for anyone who's a fan of like the Gilded Age, this sort of like robber baron idea where there's the super rich people who are getting rich off, you know, the industry, you know, industry like mining and railroads, things like that. And then there's the workers who are really taking the brunt and doing the actual work. And at that time, we're not being treated fairly or paid fairly. I think this would be a perfect, again, it's fiction, but it is based on some true stories that actually happened in Colorado at that time. So, for um, if you like that, you know, if that's right up your alley, then this would be a great release for you. Again, that's The Gilded
0: Mountain by Kate Manning. The cover of that book is gorgeous as well. So pretty. It's very pretty. Um, Okay, my next one is actually an Annie Olivia book, I think. It's called The Resemblance by Lauren Nossett. Comes out next week this is a book y'all. I'm so mad. I read this book and then never reviewed it. And now I feel like it's too late. Like it's not in my count for the end of the year. I'm so annoyed. Um, it occurred to me that I read it and then I never posted about it to Instagram, which doesn't mean anything just for my own count. I'm like, Oh, I'm off a book because I read this book and I really liked it. I read it over the course of a weekend and it just happens to release now. So it's actually set at the university of Georgia. It's a debut novel by Lauren Nossett. and it is a detective story. It reminded me in some ways of Long Bright River. So Long Bright River is to the opioid crisis as the resemblance is to sexual assault. Does that like does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so in this book, um, we have a detective who's kind of investigating something that goes on at UGA's campus, but it takes her back to her own, kind of memories of some things she experienced at UGA and in the culture of college campuses and sororities and fraternities, I thought it was really well done. Very suspenseful, not so much thriller as suspense. Like it it felt like a detective story where you're trying to solve the end of the crime um, or solve the crime together, but you're also dealing with trauma and with the after effects of trauma and things that happen in your life. And how do you kind of overcome them and, and, and move forward. I really liked this book a lot. And then I did some research into, I always, I love reading acknowledgements. I love finding out about the author, especially debut authors. I'm like, how did this happen for you? Like what, what work did it take to get here? And um, Lauren has her own really interesting story. Her husband died pretty unexpectedly a couple of years ago. She's probably my age maybe, yeah, probably around my age. So I find her own story really interesting and kind of how she was writing this book and, um, her husband had read it and it was going to be this big, exciting thing. And now it's something that she is still excited about, but she's not really getting to celebrate with the person she originally shared it with, which I, I thought was beautiful and sad. And, um, and so anyway, I really liked this book. I liked the setting, the setting felt um, very realistic. I've been to UGA's campus. And so that was kind of fun to have that um, tell. And she also, I believe is from Georgia. I think she lives in Atlanta because I don't really always like authors who write about places where you can tell they've never been, <laughs> but I, but I think Lauren has actually been to UGA's campus. And I thought this was, this was fascinating. I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I read it months ago, but um, th- there's like a scene where you know, she hits somebody with her car or she like almost hits somebody with her car and she realizes he looks like someone from the past. And so there's like elements, I think of a little bit of Tana French here, a little bit of Long Bright River. I really liked it. It's called The Resemblance by Lauren Nossett out next week, November 8th.
1: I always forget about Long Bright River. And then I remember that book is so good.
0: So good. <laughs> so good. And great, good backlist reading for right now. It's cold weather, a cold weather book. Yeah,
1: and also extremely strong setting. Yes. Someone who knew that setting very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, my book is coming out. <laughs> my, this book is really good. It's um, out November 8th. It's Mihi Ever After by Tay Keller. And this is about a little girl, Mihi, who she and her best friend during like recess. I don't know if they still call it recess.
2: Yes, I think they, they do.
1: do. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I don't think I saw that word in the book, but it was clearly recess. But her and her best friend used to always play like fairy tales together. And then her best friend started growing out of it. And Mihi was kind of like left alone. And an incident happened where she tried to climb a tree and fell off. And then she was like, the next recess, you have to stay at the library as like your punishment. Mm -hmm. And so Mihi meets these two girls, Savannah and Reese, who also choose to have the recess in the library because, they enjoy reading fairy tales. <laughs> and so the three girls wind up like sneaking into the librarian's office because she always hands out these amazing candies. And they like open her fridge to get the candies, and it's like lying the witch in the wardrobe. Like it it goes into like this whole other rainbow forest, is how they describe it. But the girls meet the three blind mice. And the three blind mice give them this preposition where they put them in competition. Whoever wins gets to play out their fairy tale. But then they realize that like, there are more sinister things afoot here. Um, Mm -hmm. They meet sleeping beauty in this one, but then they start to realize that they're all being groomed for a very specific fairy tale. So like Mihi is having lessons that will like are very clearly built for like Mulan. And then Mm -hmm. like, Reese, who is black, she is being groomed to be, like, Tiana. Mm. And then Savannah, who is white with, like, light hair, she is being groomed to be Cinderella. And so, like, each of them have, like, their own fairy tales that they're supposed to follow, but neither of them want to follow that fairy tale character. They want their own fairy tale. Mm. So they set off to go try to get home. They end up meeting like the three bears from Goldilocks. It was just very fun. There were drawings throughout the book. Um, and it's going to be the first of a series. I, yeah, I think they got out at the end, but I think they're going to go back in because there are problems to solve. Cute, But it was very cute. Very fun. Start of a new series. What's Um, the age range for that one? This is like a chapter book. So I would say anywhere from like eight to 10. I would say it's, I, I, it's below, um, oh my gosh. I'm now like blanking on that the screen. page but pages Chris, and
0: co. No, oh. I was
1: thinking the Chris Colfer one.
0: Yes. Oh. In, I can't remember the name of that. Enchanted. Yeah, I well, completely blanked. The that <laughs> is this? this is wild. <laughs> Enchanted Land of stories. stories. Land of, Land of stories. stories.
1: This is like, if one step below that reading okay. wise. Because um, I don't think Land of Stories has pictures in it, and they're a lot longer than the bigger book was. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. That sounds like
2: a lot of fun, especially for kids who already love fairy tales. You know, mm-hmm. it's already woven
1: in there. Yes. And I think as the series goes, you'll get to meet more fairy tale characters within it as well.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, my next ones that I'm going to talk about is actually four books. I'm cheating here a little bit, but um, I just had to bring these up because I am personally so excited about them. These are I don't know what you would call them reprintings um, versions of books that you've probably already read. Of uh, they're the Harper like pr- they're actually called like pretty book or painted editions of yeah. these books that are coming out. They are Jane Eyre, Persuasion. Little Women (laughs) and the Mysterious Affair at Styles. I wanted to bring this up because I think unless you work at a bookstore or you frequent bookstores, you might not know that these are being released. And I think they are perfect. They're releasing, like we got four releases about six months ago. Mm -hmm. And so we've had them in stock, like Frankenstein, The Great Gatsby, The Return of Sherlock Holmes, and The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And now these four are coming out. They're gorgeous. They have gold edged pages. They have like a ribbon bookmark inside of them. Um, they have illustrated quotes throughout the book. I'm very excited about Little Women. Already going to pr- no, know I'm going to purchase that one. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I ordered a lot of those because I thought, I know I'm buying one. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. one's going in it, to my house for sure. But I think they're perfect for a couple of people. I was thinking as a parent, I love to have classics around in my home for the kids mm-hmm. to pick up and read. And I think these are the kind of classics you'd want to buy and then honestly could be passed down like from your kids to mm-hmm. their kids. They're just truly gorgeous. They're very high quality, very well made. Or if you are someone who knows that someone in your life is a reader, but you don't know exactly what to get them for Christmas, or you know that they love the classics, maybe one of these books is their favorite, but they just don't have this you know, this beautiful version. I think these would make great gifts, which is another reason I wanted to bring them up now because um, they're coming out November the 8th, so next week. So you can, you still have time to pre-order them, but they are, they're just lovely. And I mean, I just want to like take them all home, but I'm going to limit myself, but they are coming out. And so they're, they'd be great gifts or just great to collect if you want to have
0: them in your home. These are, I feel like right as booksellers, we see all the time, like a special edition or a new version of these classics. These are, I think... I think this is true. I think these are my favorites. Me like, too. They're, they're so pretty, but they're also readable. So I bought and I love it. It's on it's on my shelf. Um, the seasons. Do you know, like with the paper cuttings, mm-hmm. those are beautiful. Those books are precious. Meaning yeah. like, I can't just you don't leave get them, them out and read them. <laughs> yes, because, because it's, a, it's a work of art. Like the, the, the cutout is just, it's laser cut. The cover is laser cut and it's gorgeous. But like, I'm not going to get that book out and flip through it very much. What I do like about these is you could read them. Like they're yeah. not so precious that you couldn't read them, but they do feel like, little works of art and little collectibles in and of themselves. I love these editions.
2: I can't wait to see what the next four are going to be. Maybe, you know, six months from now.
0: Yeah. Very fun. Okay. My next book is Flight by Lynn Stager-Strong. It also comes out on November 8th. Um, This is another book that I was really impressed by the length. Uh, I think it's perfect for reading at this time of year. Sometimes it's hard to find like a holiday set book that isn't a rom-com or a romance. And I like that this book is set very much at Christmas during the holiday season. You are immediately introduced through a series of vignettes to these siblings. And in some cases, sibling sets, like um, where it's a sibling and a spouse or whatever. So you're introduced to them through little vignettes of them driving. And you can tell that they're driving to a Christmas locale, to like a family gathering. And as the book starts, you realize that the matriarch has passed away. And rather than get together down in Florida, where their mom has a home or had a home, they are now gathering at the home of a sister-in-law in upstate New York. And so you get this really fun, snowy Christmas setting, but you also immediately feel the tension of mom's not here, mom's not hosting, Sister-in-law is hosting. What does that feel like? Uh, why does this feel different? And what are the different tensions among the family? It reminded me of the family a lot of the Family Stone, which is a movie I watch faithfully every Christmas, um, not every Christmas day, but every Christmas season. And I faithfully cry every Christmas season. I love that movie so much. Um, It also reminded me of Knives Out without the Suspense, like Knives Out without the Murder, uh, because this is also about the matriarch has left her home in Florida. And the siblings have to decide who gets it, Um, which this is just a reminder from a lawyer's wife to, like, have a will and testament. I think it's really important. And (laughs) it's just like your PSA that if you don't have a will, (laughs) that you really should have one. I don't understand people who don't. Uh, So this is just me telling you, Aaron. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Y'all, I have four kids and we do not have a will. Please feel free to heap the judgment upon me. Let Jordan help you write your will. I, know, I need to. It's it's legal corner with Annie B. Jones
1: here. <laughs> please, please let Could me help you. that be a new you? segment.
0: <laughs> get your will. Get your living will and testament. I know. Um, make sure you know, like we know this, I'm so sorry, this has now turned horrific, but like we know who pulls the plug and who doesn't like, it just is so important. A living will and testament is also. Important. <laughs>
1: so. I read thrillers, but even <laughs> I don't want to think about that.
0: <laughs> it's just important y'all. I, didn't I, don't, understand, either, man, I don't think, but... I don't think either <laughs> of you grew up in Florida, but if you grew up in Florida, And I, with the Terry Schiavo case, like you guys can Google it, figure it out. But my point is, in my current events classes in high school, I was learning about Terry Schiavo, and I was watching that play in the news, and basically there was arguments between her husband and her parents about what should happen to her. She was like in this. In this coma situation. Um, anyway, my point is I think a living will and testament is very important. Uh, that has almost nothing to do with this book, uh, except that <laughs> these, these siblings then have to decide and tensions arise because they need to figure out what happens to their mom's house and which sibling gets it, or do any of them get it? Is it that they sell the house and they split the money, whatever? And so I really like this book because there are tensions and there are like crackling moments of um, intensity and sibling rivalry or sibling frustrations, but it's also very much a holiday book. So this is not, this also doesn't reach like knives out levels of suspense. It doesn't, you know, they don't hate each other. These are, I like dysfunctional Kate. One time I said that I love dysfunctional family stories and Kate either was talking about her own taste or was asking me about mine, but she basically was like, well, dysfunctional family stories, but where the people like each other. And that is what this is like. This is a dysfunctional family story. They definitely have a hard time with one another, but ultimately they like and love each other. And I loved how Lynn Stager Strong was able to tell a really lovely family story in a pretty succinct way. Um, this is set over the course of a weekend, you know, a holiday weekend together. And I also loved that like snowy setting and that limited time frame, kind of a snapshot into the lives of a family at the holidays. If you have to gather with your dysfunctional families this holiday season, I think this would be a fun one to tuck in the suitcase. Um, Just to let you know, you're not, you're not alone. Uh, It is called flight by Lynn Stager strong. Out November 8th, write your wills. The end. (laughs)
1: I was gonna say stories about that many siblings stress me out, and I have that many siblings. <laughs> I maybe like, they feel too close to home for you. I, yeah, it's I just, just like I—I I don't think like even if it comes like perfectly resolved at the end, I'm just like, but it's not in real life. Like it's never <laughs> resolved in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anywho, uh, my next story uh, features maybe like three or four characters. This is Extinction by Bradley Sommer, and this is out November 22nd. And this is about this, uh, I don't really know what his job title is. Ranger, maybe? Wildlife saver? But (laughs) this is... That's a job. Um, It's like, okay, technically, I think it's in like a post-apocalyptic setting, but I actually liked the way it was described on the cover where it just said the world is exhausted, like of all of its resources, Mm -hmm. of its animals and everything where like, like extinctions are, are real and there is one last living bear. On North America. And this guy Ben has been tasked to follow this bear with a tracker and just make sure this bear gets to live out the remainder of its natural born life. Because they want to they want to respect nature and that was that's his whole job is just following this bear. And so while he's following this bear, he runs into these three people. I don't know if Annie's frozen or if she's just in shock right now, but your eyes are so wide.
0: I started thinking, did you see my eyeballs? (laughs) I was like, I don't think this is that surprising. (laughs) No, I think I just, you got me at the world was exhausted. And ever since then, I've been like, "Mm, aren't we though? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, same world, same. Yeah. I just have been thinking ever since, like, oh, I wonder how long we have. Hmm. Well, and
1: now I'm just, like, second-guessing myself. Is this more, like, scary than I thought it was? I don't know. <laughs> We've gone from talking about
2: living wills to <laughs> extinction. This is a great, like, uplifting <laughs> episode, November sure.
1: November's going to be a great <laughs> But... So Ben runs into these three poachers who kind of try to trick him at first, just saying that they just want to see the bear. They've never seen a bear in their life and they just want to set their eyes on one before they go away. Uh, But Ben sees right through this and realizes that they are trying to kill the bear and like sell it because at this point it would be worth a lot of money. And so they get into this like slowly building fast paced race to get to the bear, It was so good. The nature writing in it was beautiful. I just really loved the respect for nature and animals that Ben held through all of this and kind of not just putting their life before his, but just that like, they do need to be respected. And like, if this is his job, this is his duty. And as like, the world is exhausted, like, maybe this is what's important sort of thing. (laughs) Um, I think it's a perfect dad Christmas book. I think this is like right up the alley of like Peter Heller, like the river Mm. and the guide. Um, If they liked Tim Johnston's The Current and The Descent, like this is the perfect book for them because like it has that great setting, but then it slowly builds faster and faster towards the end. It was really good. Okay,
2: mine is one I have talked about previously, but I'm excited about it. It's another celebrity-like memoir essay collection. It's called Have I Told You This Already by Lauren Graham. My beloved Lauren Graham, coming out (laughs) November the 15th. I love Lauren Graham. I love her as a Gilmore. I love her as a Braverman. I love her as, you know, I haven't seen, I think she's on um, a new rendition of The Mighty Ducks. I haven't seen her on that one, but I'm sure she's fantastic. But what I love is this is she had a previous memoir called talking as fast as I can. And that really was, as the title suggests, very like fast paced and sort of just felt like she was trying to get a lot of information in there. This one is, I think, reflective of how she's aging. I hate to say that, you know, but Mm -hmm. she will admit she's aging. She's not the young ingenue anymore. She's getting the mom roles and the, you know, the aunt roles and things like that in Hollywood. But she has such a sense of humor about it that it just it's so self deprecating and just, you know, genuine that it, it doesn't come across as like someone being bitter that they're being passed over for these roles. It comes across as someone just like, this is where I'm at. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. Um, I've lived that part of my life. Now I'm living this part of my life. She tells a lot of great stories about, obviously, behind the scenes and Hollywood and her becoming an actor and what a struggle that was. Um, She tells a lot of stories about her current life, her relationships, her roles and things that she's doing now. So I don't know. I just found it very like she's when you read this, it just feels like you're sitting down with her and she's just telling you all about you know, her life. And I just think she's one of those few celebrities that has yet to be touched by scandal, as far as I know. Lauren, please. (laughs) Lauren, (laughs) keep that up, Lauren. You're doing a great job. um, She's fantastic. And I just like her so much. And I think if you like other celebs, to me, this is sort of in the vein of like a Mindy Kaling or a Tina Mm. Fey. Like if you like those kind of celebrity memoirs where it's not tell all, let's spill the tea. Let's, let's, you know, give the gossip. This is more just tell just funny observations about living life in Hollywood as a woman, as an actress. So I really enjoyed it. And I can't wait to, you know, I've read it, but I can't wait to get my
0: hands on a physical copy to, to have in my house. I think she's a good writer. She yes. wrote, she wrote a fiction book called Someday Someday Maybe. And mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was really good. So I, I think I'd like to read this. Okay. My next one is the world record book of racist stories. This is by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. Amber Ruffin is on Seth Meyers' show. She also has her own show. Um, I think she is hilarious. And I listened to the audiobook of Amber and her sister Lacey's first book called You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, which... I thought was hilarious and heartbreaking and frustrating um, because it's essentially Lacey who lives in the Midwest um, where she and Amber both grew up kind of talking about all the racist things that have happened to her. (laughs) And it is is a wake up call to a white American and like to think about the things that I say or the things that the people around me say. And I loved listening to it. I think I will like listening to this as well because both of them narrated the first book. And it was just so funny because you could really hear, I think a physical book would have been great, but you could hear their actual voices and their banter because they're actual sisters. And I just love their relationship um, because it seems like Lacey is the sister who stayed and Amber is the sister who moved and like is living in New York City, but they both are still experiencing different forms of racism. It just looks a little different the, the both places that they are. And so I love the sibling dynamic. The stories are funny. They have a remarkable sense of humor about all of it. So this is just kind of the continued story. They kind of were like, Oh turns out I like I watched I watched Amber be interviewed for like a a booksellers conference. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but she was previewing this book and she was like, Oh, Lacey had so many racist stories that we decided to just do another one. <laughs> like, and so I just thought that was very, again, funny, heartbreaking, irritating. Like, I hate that they are writing these, but I get why they are writing these. Um, I hate that they have to, I guess. Um, but they are very, very funny. And I think a good primer into what black Americans experience every day, um, in the workplace, in the workplace, especially, but in social settings, things like that. Um, the things that they are asked and the things that are expected of them. I like this book a lot. I like Amber Ruffin a lot. It is the world record book of racist stories by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar out on November 8th. It's a great title too. Right? Yeah. I think so too. It's very, it's just immediately eye catching and funny.
1: Yeah. Okay, my next one is a middle grade novel. This is probably going to be like 10 and up, I would think. Actually, I mean, eight could read this too, but the the writing's very clever, which is why I say 10 and up. This is Oscar from Elsewhere by Jacqueline Moriarty, and it's out November 29th. This is, I guess, I guess, the fourth book set in this world by her, but they can be read as standalone books, which I really enjoy because they each feature different characters from this world. So you don't necessarily have to read them in order at all. I have not read this world before, but I am enjoying Oscar from elsewhere so much right now. Oscar is is from our world. Um, and the first time we meet him, he's getting in trouble with his, I think it's like his principal because he missed school for a whole week and no one knows why or where he was. And so his principal is making him write an essay about where he was um, for all the five days he missed last week of school. And Oscar is very, uh, he doesn't mind joking on his principal and like twisting her words around, which was just hilarious to watch. Um, but the book is his account of where he was Monday through Friday of the following week. And he has help from this girl that he met um, because part of it, he was quote unquote dead for, which I just laugh at because my family has a joke that if we forgot something, we just say, well, I was dead at the time. (laughs) So I appreciated that part a lot. (laughs) Um, To be clear, he was not, he was not dead. Um, But... (laughs) just just a great excuse all around um but oscar ends up skipping school one morning just because he went to the skate park instead and he met these kids at the skate park where they were using this mirror to try to get to another world because they heard a rumor that if you shined it at a certain part in the skate park you'd be transported into the other world and oscar was like mm, okay And so they left and Oscar picks up this mirror and sure enough, he flips it over and he ends up in this city of elves, Um, (laughs) which is where he quote unquote dies and then wakes up in this inn with these five like magically gifted children above him, just kind of like, who are you? (laughs) It's very quirky. It's very fun. I am enjoying the characters so much. And the chapters are super short, which is also really fun but the writing is just so clever and out there. I, I love it so much. I might just go back and read the others in this series because it's just a lot of fun.
2: So as a reader, are you like, is he an unreliable narrator? Are you supposed to be like, I don't know, did that really happen? Or does he, they do a good job of like convincing you that it actually
1: did happen? Oh no. Like I, I think he is being very honest about what happened to him oh, and he, right. like because he's just like, sure. You want to hear what happened to me? I will give you a play by play of my entire week. And here yeah, it is. That sounds, that sounds really good. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Oscar from elsewhere.
2: Okay. My next one is, it's a cookbook guys, but I have a reason <laughs> for picking it. I know I'm sure a cookbook not song- Come up a lot on these new release episodes, but it's called Smitten Kitchen Keepers by Deb Perelman. It's coming out November 15th. I love her. I've been a fan of hers ever since she was just a blog. I know that sounds like a very old person thing to say, but back when she was just a blog, um, when, I, when I found her, she was a like barely new mom and she was writing a blog and she was living in this tiny i mean tiny New York City apartment she was just making these recipes that i was like if she can make those in a tiny New York apartment i was also living in a house with a tiny kitchen and i had small children it was just so inspiring and so accessible like if she can do it i can do it it wasn't like aspirational it was more just like this lady is doing the best she can with what she's got you know and now of course she has multiple cookbooks. She has a huge following on Instagram. I'm one of them, but she changed my life and let me tell you why. And then I want to know if you guys also do this, like before I love to bake, I've loved to bake my entire life, but she introduced me to the concept of using grams and a food scale when you bake um this you know everyone's probably like duh that's because I think everyone in the whole world uses the gram and food scale system except for America (laughs) we love our cups and our teaspoons every year (laughs) but um it was just it was life-changing like you just put a bowl on a food scale and then you just weigh things and you don't have to use like all the cups and everything and everything is like perfect like if you just measure a cup of flour, it could be a different amount in there based on whether the flour is like compressed or mm-hmm. or fluffy. But if you know exactly how much a cup of flour is supposed to weigh, you get it right every single time. So wow. this is just a P- another PSA, go get a <laughs> scale and cook and find recipes that have grams. I'm always so excited. She does her cookbooks and um, I, I think she may also use like American measurements, but she does give the the weights for rest for things like that. So huh. I just love her. I'm so excited about this. Um, coming out again, it's recipes that are like fancy that you can take them to a fancy party and feel very cool that you did it. Or they're just super accessible things because she has two kids. So she's not out there cooking like foie gras every night of the week, you know, she's <laughs> cooking like maybe a fancy grilled cheese and that might make you feel like a really good chef. So, Um, again, this is a great gift. This is great just to gift to yourself for this time of year. If you're going to a lot of holiday parties and you just need a new recipe or something fun to whip out and feel like
0: a accomplished chef, this is the perfect cookbook for it. I like her a lot. and This cookbook looks really good. Yes. Okay. My last book is We All Want Impossible Things. This is by Katherine Newman. It comes out next week on November 8th. This book is so good. It's so sad. It's so good, but it's so sad. Um, This is a book about two women who have been lifelong friends. And one of them is diagnosed with cancer and moves into a hospice house. And the closest hospice house happens to be kind of removed from where she lives in the city with her husband and child, her husband and son. And instead, like the best hospice care is like in the city where her best friend lives, her lifelong friend. And so she moves into this hospice house and the best friend really becomes her primary caregiver. And the book is about really the best friend. Um you know, it's a little bit about um the woman who is essentially on her deathbed, but it's, it's a lot about their relationship. And it's about this woman who, because she is watching her friend die, she is having her own thoughts about death, about grieving, about losing this person who has known, who knows her best, who has known her longest, longer than her spouse, longer than her kids. And so it's really a beautiful tribute to female friendship It is funny. Like there are laugh out loud funny parts just because like there are, there's things that only friends can really understand about each other, but it is also brutal. (laughs) Like it is, I read it and was just deeply sad because you know how it's going to end. Like there's no surprise ending here. Like, you know, what's going to happen. And so I do highly recommend this. I do. I will borrow Kathleen Kelly's phrase. Like you need to read with a box of tissues. Like Mm -hmm. it is deeply moving. It's just really about, I think, how women care for each other and the ways in which it feels like, I don't think this is always true, but it can feel like only women really know how to be present in those really awful um, moments of our lives. Um, And I don't know if that's because we've just been doing it for so long, like for generations, but I just found this book to be for fans of... Catherine Heine or Amy Papel, where it's about these characters that you really love, even though they might make them mistakes or say frustrating things or be irritating. Sometimes you really love them. Um, I've loved the characters in Catherine Heine's work. I felt the same way about Catherine Newman's characters. I just, this, the woman the best friend uh, is making some poor choices, but you know why she's making poor choices. She's making poor choices because she's watching her friend die and she's you know, she's waking up to phone calls in the middle of the night and she's trying to get her friend to eat. And like, it's just, it's very moving. I loved it. I thought it was very good, weirdly funny um, and poignant. We all want impossible things by Katherine Newman out next week on November 8th. It's also got a really good cover. I love this book a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. This reminds me, just because you mentioned Kathleen Kelly, I had a dream the other night Mm -hmm. that I met Meg Ryan on an escalator in a mall and I told her about the bookshelf and I was like, we're closed right now, but you should come in tomorrow. Uh, We're open 10 to 6 and my owner would love to meet you. And she was so nice and amazing. And I was like, I've always looked up to you because you're tall and I'm tall and like... (laughs) So many of us out there. And then I woke up before Saturday. And so it. I don't know if she came in or not, but I woke up and I was just like, oh my gosh, did I actually meet Meg Ryan?
0: <laughs> did I meet Meg Ryan on the escalator in a mall? Yeah. That's amazing. What a great dream.
1: Uh, it was a great dream. I yeah. also took like a yoga class and I hate yoga, but there were like hundreds. Of, I don't know. No one needs to know about that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next book is another middle grade novel um this is snow foal by Susanna bailey out november 29th and that's foal, like as a uh, baby horse i don't i feel like i'm not pronouncing that correctly
0: i've um, never known is it foal or foul i don't think it's foul it's definitely foal. yeah <laughs> foal. I, d- Do- I have never known because i've never heard like i've never heard it
1: Well, and it feels like it should have, like, almost, like, two syllables, but I can't get that second syllable out. Yeah. In any case, this feels like a cross between, like, um, maybe Little Princess meets, like, Heidi, I'll say. Um, But this is about a, a little girl, Addie, who her mother gets sick and she's, like, taking care of her. And I think the town starts to realize that, like, her mother's not doing well. And so uh, social services comes over and they're just like, hey, you're just going to come stay with this family until your mother's feeling better. But what Addie doesn't realize is like no one really expects her mom to get better. And Mm -hmm. so Addie like refuses to unpack her things, like does not want to make herself feel at home because she thinks like I'm about to go home to take care of my mother again, which is what she really Mm -hmm. wants. But meanwhile, this like huge snowstorm hits. So like everything is kind of put on pause. Like even if she were to be able to go home, she couldn't because no one can drive on the roads. But at this house, they it's like a farm. And so there's a baby foal that was just <laughs> born, but the mother passed away. And so they have to take care of this foal. But the... <laughs> this word so many times now <laughs> every time you're like
2: am I saying it right why
0: can't I just say pony this <laughs> pony <laughs> A baby horse baby horse. my little pony
1: <laughs> this pony is scared of everyone because it has no mother anymore and so they were kind of like hey Addie maybe you can help this pony so mm. Addie goes and like sits with the pony and like the pony obviously takes to her more than anybody else. And she starts to like have this kindred friendship with this pony. Um, I am not that far into the book, so I don't know how this ends, but I think it will be happy regardless of whether or not she goes home because now she has a friend in this pony. Uh, (laughs) And she's like befriending the family as well. So that is (laughs) Snowfall. It's I, get away from it. I guess no pony wouldn't have a great ring to it.
0: No, because the I more you say pony, the weirder that sounds. Yes,
1: too. I was going I tried
2: to laugh at pony too because I was like, now pony sounds weird. Maybe <laughs> horse. Okay, this is my last book. And listen, I wrote. I'm not a psychic. But I want to put this out in the world that I think almost a month away from this book's release, it's coming out November 29th, that you're going to be hearing all about this book. I think it's going to be somebody's pick for a book club, a famous person. I, I don't know. I'm just putting that out there in the world that I think this is, it's called A Quiet Life by Ethan Joella. I believe this is his second novel. This is another work of fiction from him. It is, I was going to say, you're going to hear all about this book and 90% of it's probably going to be from my mouth. So um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will hype this book up. I loved it so much. I, you know, I don't have time to read pr- a lot of print books and this mm-hmm. is one I have not been able to put down. Like every time I'm, you know, sitting around with my kids, um, I have actually on my phone, I have like the e-galley and I've just mm-hmm. been picking it up and just reading and reading and reading. It is so good. It is set in a little suburb of Pennsylvania, I'm not sure if they actually specify like a particular town, but it follows the lives of these three characters and they all intersect. They don't know each other, but they do all inter- intersect and in ways that are like poignant and hurtful. And <laughs> I put like, <laughs> I, put, I know everyone likes to snub the movie Crash you know that movie Crash that mm. came out? I mean, I feel like it came out like tw- almost twenty years ago. I yeah. loved that movie, and I think it was because it was the first time I was introduced to a concept that of these concurrent storylines that all sort of mm. like oh, you start to see how they interact with each other, and it's um, as a I did watcher. Know people
1: didn't like that movie?
2: Yeah, I guess every I've heard it that is. it's like sort of schmalt like people think it's kind of schmaltzy, like like a little too over the top, but I don't care. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies, <laughs> but <laughs> oh. this is the same idea about less dark. Like there's, you know, less crime and stuff, but it follows, um, there's the main character is Chuck. He's an older gentleman whose, um, wife has passed away and was kind of unexpected. And every summer they would go to Hilton Head and stay there for the winter. And he's coming up, up up on this trip and he's wondering, should I go like, mm-hmm. should I go and honor her or should I, or can I even do that without her? Like, it just seems like he can't move forward. He can't, he doesn't want to clean out her closet. He's just really stuck which I think is a central pattern to this book. Um, there's another character, young woman named Ella. The main storyline of her is that her ex-husband has kidnapped her daughter and they don't know where her ex-husband is and they don't know where her daughter is. Um, and so every day she's sort of waiting by the phone to hear about what happened to her daughter. She's always looking into new leads. She's working like two or three jobs just to try to keep her mind busy and also just to pay the bills. And um, But her, she's also stuck. She's just stuck waiting. She can't move forward without her daughter. And then there's another character named Kirsten. Her dad also passed away. And he was like her compass, her... You know, her best friend. And now she doesn't know how to move forward without him. She wants to travel. She wants to find love, but she just feels like she can't. She doesn't know where to go. Her dad's death has sort of upended her life and she doesn't know what to do. And so it is, I know all that sounds really sad. There's like two deaths and a kidnapping, but it's just so compelling. Um, and they start to interact like Ella is one of the jobs she works is she delivers newspapers in the morning. So she delivers the newspaper to Chuck the widower every morning and they start to interact. And um, Ella uh, is the neighbor of a guy that Kirsten is starting to like. So mm-hmm. it all kind of comes together. It's just, it is, it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of Lucy by the sea by Elizabeth mm-hmm. Stroud in that, It's not like these huge things are happening. It's just these quiet moments where people are dealing with what's been dealt to them Mm. and how are they responding to it. And so to me, it was just so compelling. It's got a lot of character development, which I always appreciate in a story. But I think this is going to be one that um, is going to be kind of one of the bigger releases of November. I'm just putting that out in the world (laughs) right now.
0: (laughs) I think I'm going to add that to my list. I would like to read that. This sounds really good. Okay, so those were the books, not all the books, guys, not all the books that were coming out in November, (laughs) but we've narrowed it down for you. Uh, And so if any of those were appealing or seemed like books you want to give this holiday season or you want to gift yourself this holiday season, if you purchase or pre-order any of the books we talked about today from the bookshelf, you can enter new release, please at checkout and get 10% off your order. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com, click or tap podcast, then shop from the front porch to see today's titles. This week, what I'm reading is brought to you by Visit Thomasville. Everyone loves fall in Thomasville, Georgia. When it's time to get away, our small town has exactly what you need. Find romance, explore historical sites, dine out, shop, and make time to relax and unwind. There's no better getaway than a Thomasville getaway. We are officially in November, which means, like it or not, we are in the holiday season. And my favorite thing that kind of sets the tone and guides the holiday season is the Holiday Open House in downtown Thomasville. So this is on Sunday, November 20th. N- normally, if you are in downtown Thomasville on a Sunday, too bad for you because there's <laughs> there's nothing open and it's very quiet. You can eat lunch at Empire Bagel or Sass and that's about it. <laughs> um, and look, normally that's okay with me because I like that we're closed. I like that my brain doesn't have to think about the bookshelf on a Sunday. However on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, all of the shops, I'm pretty sure all of the shops, most of the shops in downtown Thomasville are open. Restaurants are open. We're generally open from 12 to four or one to five, depending on if you're trying to catch the the after church crowd or not. And it is so festive and fun. I cannot describe what it is like, except to say that Thomasville is a small town and the Sunday before Thanksgiving, nothing brings me greater joy than like Seeing families reconnect and like people have come in from out of town, kids are home from college um, because they're all getting ready for Thanksgiving. And a lot of local Thomasville folks, I think, use holiday open house to kind of kick off the week of celebration of being off from school. It is one of my most favorite days to work. I typically work it with my cousin, Ashley. It's like a family tradition now. I don't know. She might hate it. it I it, She's never said so. Uh, so, so she does it with me out of the kindness of her heart. And I just love it because I feel like it kicks off what can be a fun but stressful week, right? Because there's Thanksgiving, there's Black Friday, there's Small Business Saturday, but There's just something fun and festive about this particular day. It's like when all the stores kind of showcase their new holiday decor, their holiday products. I love it so very much. And so if you are planning a trip to Thomasville, I love Black Friday and Small Business Saturday. I really do. They're very busy days in store. We would love to see you. But you might want to consider making a trip for the weekend before Thanksgiving or maybe on your way to Thanksgiving out of town. Maybe Thomasville is on your way. I think this would be a lovely day to visit. So it's Sunday, November 20th. It's Holiday Open House in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And I think you will love it. It is one of my very favorite things. This week, I'm reading Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. Olivia, what are you reading?
1: I am reading Snowfall. By
0: Susanna Bailey. Erin, <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading? I'm reading Our Missing Hearts by Celestine. Thank you again to our sponsor, Visit Thomasville. To find out more about how you can visit Thomasville, go to thomasvillega.com. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cammie Tidwell, Chantal Carl, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins,
1: Lori Johnson,
0: Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.